0: Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. I have never been a huge fan of um, people saying things like, I rebuke Satan, or I'm going to trample on Satan's head or I don't know if you have ever heard those things or, if the, or that's just the uh some of the circles that I that I've been uh in but I'm not a huge fan of those kinds of things like I don't know I don't know why but I'm also not opposed to speaking about Satan I don't think that for those of you that I know that a few of you are going to appreciate this reference but it's not like he's Voldemort, and he cannot be named. Uh, for those of you that did not get that reference, sorry, you, you can ask me later. Um, I, I don't think that he is not someone that cannot be mentioned, or that, you know, if, if we name him, then he's going to uh, appear here and, and do something bad. Um, I, I think it, it is necessary to talk about Satan. The Bible talks about Satan. In fact, the book of Revelation uh, spans quite a bit of time talking about Satan. And so in this passage, uh, we're going we're to talk about Satan. We're going to hear uh, basically Satan's defeat as it is seen from, uh, from God's perspective. Or actually, we're going to see it through different perspectives. But one of the reasons why I believe that it is okay to talk about Satan is because he has already been defeated. He has no authority over us, over those of us who are in Christ. He has already been defeated And therefore, we can talk about these things, but at the same time, we should not be naive into thinking that he is completely powerless. Because even though he has already been defeated, he continues to wage war against God and his people. And so we're going to see his defeat from multiple perspectives. And let's read Revelation chapter 12. And I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. Revelation 12, starting in verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign, sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. And on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was cut up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But when he was defeated, sorry, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness. To the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this uh, message. We thank you for this revelation that you gave to your servant John and that he gave to the churches and that now we have available to us. I pray that this revelation would speak into our hearts that your message would bring us encouragement and comfort and boldness and reliance on you, knowing that your enemy has already been defeated. Lord, please guide us by your spirit. Please speak into our hearts. I pray that you remove the spiritual blindness that the enemy has on those who are still his, Lord, so that they could see the gospel, the beauty of your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So remember that um, in Revelation 10 and 11, we saw a little bit of a summary of uh, God's, Uh, victory over the enemy we saw a summary about God's people witness in the world remember that we saw the two witnesses and how they uh, they prophesied they bore witness to the gospel and how uh, eventually the beast waged war against them and actually the beast conquered them or they were killed Uh, and 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 after three and a half days they were given the breath of life, and they 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 were taken up into heaven, and everyone glorified God. and And if you remember uh, last week, I mentioned that that particular story about the two witnesses was a summary of sorts of everything else that is about to be revealed in chapters twelve through probably all the way up to the end of the book. And so when we look at chapters 12 and, and, and forward, but especially 12 here, we are seeing that story of the two witnesses. We are seeing that that summary of the two witnesses. We are seeing how it develops now. And so remember, this book was written uh, for the seven churches that were in Asia Minor. And remember that these churches were being persecuted. These churches were in the middle of the uh, the 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 oppression of the roman empire and they as believers they were suffering persecution they were being rejected they were some of them were already starting to get killed because of their faith in christ and so remember that john is writing these things jesus is revealing these things to john in order to encourage them and in order to show them that even though on earth they are still suffering god has already won the victory in heaven and the book of revelation explains the process the process of how God's victory in heaven is becoming God's victory on earth how the kingdom of God that is in heaven is making its way onto earth and so chapter 12 kind of brings us back into history and and chapter 12 is is uh a little bit tricky in the sense that John seems to be drawing from a bunch of different Old Testament references. And you're going to, we're going to see them as we go. But because of that, it causes, it causes us to wonder, okay, so who is this woman? Who Who is he talking about with the woman? And uh, the short answer, I believe that the woman is the people of God throughout history. And so we're going to see how Satan is defeated, how Satan, um, he has been emphatically defeated, but nonetheless, he wages war against the woman, against God's people. So first we see that Satan has an attack or tries to frustrate God's plan of sending a child into the world to save the world. If you remember in Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve sinned, and God is telling them their, their punishment for sinning, the curse that God gives to the serpent, it, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So even right there from Genesis, from Genesis chapter 3, the gospel is already being announced. And basically in Genesis 3, God is telling the serpent, the offspring of the woman, he will will bruise your head. He will destroy you. You serpent might be able to bruise his heel, but he will bruise your head. He will destroy you. He will crush your head. And so from that moment on, and actually I believe even from before that moment, Satan, knowing that he was already doomed, knowing that he was already defeated, he, went on, he embarked on a, on a journey to try to destroy God's plan. And I'm only going to name a few examples, but if you read through the history of the Old Testament, you can see how over and over and over Satan is trying to, to, to tort God's plan. So, for example, when, when, um, when first of all, he, he does that by tempting Adam and Eve and deceiving them and making them sin. Right? And then he does that. Well, I'm going to fast forward again. There's a lot of instances in the Old Testament, but one of the ones that, that uh, comes to mind is how the people of Israel were going to starve in the wilderness. Remember that when Joseph is sold into slavery, going to Egypt, there's a famine and how they are about to starve. They, they, they are left without food, but God orchestrated everything perfectly by sending Joseph into Egypt to become the ruler or the second to Pharaoh in Egypt so that he could rescue his people. But then, even when they're in Egypt, uh, Satan is still trying to destroy God's plan by making them slaves, by keeping them in, in, in slavery in Egypt. But God once again comes and rescues his people. And, and, and on and on, we see how throughout the history of the Old Testament, Satan is always trying to mess with God's plan because he knows that out of the offspring of the woman, is going to come the one that is going to crush his head. And so I believe that this is what this little section is describing, or at least part of it, right? It says, And a great sign appeared in heaven, Revelation 12, 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. I believe that that uh, is a reference to her being, uh, in a sense, the nation of Israel, she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his head seven diadems. And this is Satan. Satan is described here as a great dragon because he has a lot of power. He has a lot of uh, uh, influence. And verse 4, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. This has uh, been traditionally understood as Satan having taken with him uh, a third of the angels of God in, in his rebellion. And so the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. And so, like I said, the dragon has been trying to uh, interfere the, the, the devil has been trying to frustrate God's plan and I think one of his one of his main interventions is when Jesus was born remember that through Herod the Great he attempted to kill the child. Remember that Herod said to the to the to the wise man told him hey tell tell me where the kid is so that I can go worship him too but we know that it was a plan because Herod wanted to kill the child and so when he saw himself frustrated he commanded that all the kids under two, all the boys under two would be killed. But God delivered Jesus by sending them to Egypt. And so, you know, this could be a reference of that. But at the same time, I think that the, the biggest, the, the, the uh, Satan's most aggressive attack against God, against Jesus, against this promise was the crucifixion right? In the crucifixion of Christ, Satan was giving his his ultimate blow. Satan was giving his his ultimate attempt at destroying the child, at devouring the child of the promise. But we know, because we have seen throughout the book of Revelation, that the lamb who was slain, Jesus, who died on the cross, he he conquered. He won his victory by dying on the cross. And this is A beautiful irony that it is through Satan's master attack or or main attack of Christ that he himself is defeated. And then we know that, that Satan is furthermore defeated by the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. We see in John chapter 12 verse 31, Now is the judgment of this world now will the ruler of this world be cast out and I when I am lifted up from heaven will draw all people to myself and he was talking about his crucifixion so Jesus is saying that through his crucifixion through his death through his resurrection through his ascension Satan was being defeated and this is what is being described here right he he uh stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. This is clearly a reference to Jesus, especially when we compare it with uh, Psalm chapter 2, where it talks about the son ruling the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was cut up to God and to his throne. So this is speaking about Christ. Ascension, how he was taken up to heaven and he was seated at the right hand of God. And so what John is trying to do here is trying to set the, the the background and is trying to show people that Satan has already been defeated, even though multiple times he attempted to frustrate God's plan, even though he attempted to devour the child, even though he attempted to to kill and destroy Jesus. Jesus has already won the victory by dying on the cross, by resurrecting, and by being ascended into heaven. Now, verse 6, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. And throughout this passage we're going to see two things are going to keep popping over and over. Satan is defeated and God is protecting his people Satan is defeated and God is protecting his people so in this case the woman flees into the wilderness and she is protected by God she is nourished so that is uh that is I believe the summary of the rest of the of the chapter and so in in the in in verse seven I believe that we go into it into a little bit more detail and I believe that what we see here is a description of Satan's defeat from a heavenly perspective. And so we read in verse 7, Now war arose in heaven. And really quick, as I read this section, I want you to notice how many times it is mentioned that Satan is defeated or that his angels are defeated or that he is thrown down to earth. And the reason why I want you to notice this is because one of the ways that authors would emphasize their points was by repeating the same idea or the same words over and over. And so just notice in these few verses, how many times the idea of Satan being defeated is repeated. Verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Day and night before our God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And just verse 13, for good measure. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, He pursued the woman. So just notice, I think that what John is really, really trying to emphasize here is that Satan has been defeated, that Satan has been thrown down. And and he is narrating his defeat from a heavenly perspective. And so we see that he was defeated by Michael and his angels in this heavenly battle that we don't really know a whole lot about. We just know that there was a rebellion in heaven. And we know that Michael and his angels fought against Satan, the dragon and his angels and Satan defeated. And there was no place for them in heaven. And he was thrown down into the earth. And I believe that this is what happened when Jesus ascended into heaven, when Jesus conquered, when Jesus died on the cross, when he resurrected, when he ascended, Satan was cast down into heaven remember how jesus when he is in his earthly ministry he talks about seeing satan falling from heaven and and also the passage that i read from uh, from john now the judgment of this world now will the ruler of this world be cast out and that uh when i am lifted up from the earth so satan was defeated at the at the death and the resurrection of jesus But also notice that his defeat is not only at the hands of Michael and his angels, but we get it from another perspective. In verse 11 says, it's talking about the brothers, that that is the, the saints, the believers. And it says that they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto Death, And so notice here how we, God's people, have a place. And this is something that I've been mentioning over and over, but how we, God's people, have a place in God's redeeming plans. In the defeat of Satan, even though ultimately it was accomplished by Christ, by His blood, by His death on the cross, and even though in heaven it was accomplished by this battle, this angelic battle, Notice how it says there that it is God's people that have conquered Satan. So we are definitely involved in this, uh, in this history of the world. We, are def- we definitely have a part in God's plans of redeeming the world and judging his enemies. Now, we're going to skip that for a second, and we're going to get back to that section, but I want us to see how Satan... Now that he has been frustrated, now that he has been defeated, now that he has been cast down to earth, even though that is really good news for those who are in heaven, it's really bad news for those who are on the earth, right? Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short, so even though the devil, even though the enemy has already been defeated, it doesn't mean that he is done attacking God's people. In fact, because he knows that his time is short, because he knows that the victory, the, 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 the war has already been won, he is going to try to cause as much damage as possible while he is still on earth. And so he goes against woman again so first he attempts to kill the child Jesus but because that is frustrated then he goes against the woman now uh, this following section well I say this multiple times the book of Revelation is really complicated chapter 12 is complicated this following section is also difficult and I believe that this section is probably a more specific prophecy about Satan's attack on the believers of Jerusalem. And I don't have time to go in, in, in over all of the details, but uh, we do know that, remember Jesus' words in Matthew 24, when he warned the, the believers that when they saw the, 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 the abomination of desolation, that they would flee, that they would leave the city. And so, What some people have argued, and and I I agree with them, is that uh, when the believers in Jerusalem saw the, the Roman armies gathering around the city of Jerusalem, they remembered Jesus' words and said, Hey, remember that Jesus told us to flee? Remember that he told us that even if you're on the roof, even if it doesn't matter what you're doing, you should flee. And so the argument is that the believers in Jerusalem, those who truly trusted in the Lord Jesus, they heed his words, and fled into the mountains. In fact, there are historical records of believers fleeting, fleeing to Pella in the year of 66 AD. And then Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. And so I believe that this is an illusion or this is a prophecy to that event. Look at verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and it swallowed the river that the dragon had poured down, poured from his mouth. So, again, I cannot go into all of the details, but we do see how God's people are delivered from the attack of the enemy. We see how here, we even see a, a reference to the book of Exodus, how uh, they, they flew with the wings of the eagle. And it's, it's exactly the same language that is used in the book of Exodus to talk about God's people being delivered from Uh, from Egypt and so even though I even though I believe that this could be a reference to the destruction of Jerusalem to people fleeing Jerusalem I also think that this has implications for us today because Satan continues to attack the woman. Satan continues to attack the woman and her offspring as we're going to see later on and notice how So far, he has been called the dragon, the ancient serpent, right? uh, uh, Making reference to Genesis. Uh, The devil, which in in Greek, it means uh, deceiver or accuser. Satan, which is the same word, but in Hebrew, um, he is the deceiver of the whole world. And notice how uh, John has been going back and forth between those names. But the only two times that he uses the word serpent is... In, in verse 9 to describe him, and then in verse 15, the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman. And so I believe that this could be a reference to Genesis, to Genesis 3, in which the serpent tried and succeeded at deceiving the woman Eve. Remember how he is called the deceiver. He is the father of lies. The way that the enemy fights is through his lies. Notice how this water, that, that this water-like river is coming out of the mouth of the serpent. And as we have seen in the book of Revelation, Jesus is the one that has the sword coming out of his mouth and he conquers through his word. And in the same way, or in, in, a, in a cheap alternative way, Satan tries to conquer through his word. Satan wages war through his lying words. And so I believe that Satan continues to attack us in the same way. We're going to go back and we're going to look at other ways that he used to wage war against us. But now that he is no longer able to throw accusations before God against us, the way that he wages war is by lying. He is the father of lies. And therefore, if we want to, if we want to be strong against the devil, if we want to conquer in this war, if we want to resist the enemy, we need to be very acquainted with the truth. Because Satan is always going to be lying to us. And these lies are not gonna be, you know, a blatant, obvious lies. I mean, sometimes they will. But Satan is deceitful. And so this is the way that he is going to try to destroy us. Now, since he is not successful in his attack against the believing Jews, the believers of Jerusalem, he goes on to wage war against the woman's offspring. Verse 17, Then the dragon became furious with the woman. And he went off to make war on the rest of her offspring and those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. It is no wonder that this world, the unbelieving world that is controlled by Satan is so fiercely against the church. It is no wonder that, that this unbelieving world is, is trying so hard to destroy the church, to destroy the people of God because they are under the dominion of Satan. And Satan knows that he has already lost and he knows that he doesn't have a lot of time left. And therefore he is waging war against the offspring of the woman, against us, against the rest of of the church and he is trying to do whatever it takes to destroy us to deceive us but if in at the beginning of of chapter 12 we see that the woman was well that the child was protected and he ascended into heaven and then we saw that the woman fled into the wilderness and was nourished and then we saw again that the woman flees into the wilderness, she's given the wings of eagle and flees into the wilderness, then even though we know that we are going to be experiencing Satan's opposition and attacks throughout this entire age, should we have any fear? Should we doubt or question that God is going to protect us in the same way that he has been doing it for years and years and years? Remember, when we saw in, in chapter 11 how John is told to measure the temple, the inner court of the temple, and those who worship him, I mentioned that that was an image of God's protection of his people. And so God has always, always protected his people. That doesn't mean that we're not going to experience suffering. That doesn't mean that we're not going to experience tribulation, persecution. That doesn't mean that we are not going to. Die for the sake of the testimony of Christ. Notice how these believers are described. They have conquered by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. This is not a secret. We have seen throughout the book of Revelation that the way that the, the lamb conquered was by his death and therefore the way that we, his followers, conquer is by our faithful martyrdom. Not that every single believer is going to be martyred, but we should not love our lives even unto death. And even if we die, it doesn't mean that Satan has won. In fact, our faithful martyrdom, our faithful witness is his demise, is the way that we battle against him. The way that we battle against him as well, and one of the reasons why we are so hated by the world, is because, notice how we are described in verse 17, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Those of us who are faithful to Christ, those of us who belong to him, those of us who are his people, we keep the commandments of God and we hold to the testimony of Jesus. We obey his word. This, uh, his word that we have here is to teach us about his gospel, to teach us about the testimony of Jesus, but it also has commandments for us to obey, for us to follow. And when we obey these commandments, the world is going to hate us. And when we proclaim that we are faithful to Christ, when we hold to the testimony of Christ, the world is going to hate us because Satan is influencing the world. And we're going to see that as we look into, verse, into chapter 13 uh, when we look at the beast and, and the second beast and all that stuff. But for now, I want to go back to a really important point. We saw that Satan is defeated in heaven through this battle with Michael and his angels. We also see that Satan has been conquered by the brothers, by the, the, the saints, the people of God. But ultimately, the victory belongs to God and to Christ. Ultimately, the way that Satan is defeated is by the blood of the lamb. Ultimately, the way that we battle against Satan and we conquer him is by the blood of the Lamb. We cannot battle Satan on our own strength. We cannot wage war and win against the devil on our own. The whole reason why we can uh, speak about this with confidence, not in fear that Satan is going to come and do something to us Is because Jesus already has all of the authority. It's because, notice in verse 10, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And this is something beautiful that I want us to dwell on. Satan is no longer able to accuse us before God. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because of his blood that was shed for us, Satan is not able to bring a successful accusation against those of us who are in Christ. He, he can continue to deceive people here on earth now that he's been thrown down. He can continue to try to deceive us and to destroy us. But he will never be able to bring a successful accusation against you before God. And this is a beautiful thing to remember because Satan loves to accuse us. Satan loves to deceive us. To deceive us. Satan likes to, to whisper lies. To us. But because we know that God is seated on the throne and because we know that Jesus is at his right hand and he is our high priest, he is our advocate, he is our mediator, Jesus intercedes for us, he prays for us, then we should have no fear of Satan accusing us Satan might be able to accuse us and we might feel bad, but we need to remember that Christ is interceding for us in heaven. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23. Hebrews 7, starting in verse 23. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, talking about Christ, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives, to make intercession for them, Jesus is there in heaven, interceding for us, praying for us. He is our mediator. First uh, Timothy 2:5 says, theres only one God, there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And also notice in First in John chapter two verse one. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So even though Satan used to be able to accuse us, and even if he successfully whispers an accusation, into our ears, we can respond back and say, I have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. I may not be righteous. Yes, of course, I committed that sin that you're accusing me of. But the great thing is that my advocate is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The whole reason why I can stand before God, the whole reason why I can approach His throne of grace is because Jesus is interceding for me. It's because he is advocating for me. And I want to finish by reading from 1 Peter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. God, we thank you that you have won the victory. We thank you that you have defeated Satan by the blood of the cross of your son, Jesus. And thank you that even though he is waging war against us and he is trying to deceive us and he is influencing the world to hate us, we have the assurance that we have an intercessor in heaven, which is your son, Jesus Christ. He is our high priest, our mediator. He is our advocate. Thank you, God. Help us to resist the attacks of the enemy. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be faithful to the word of our testimony. Help us to love not our lives even unto death. We love you so much, Lord, that we want to be willing to give our lives for your testimony.